Hi, I'm Joe Jakevich, and welcome to the Story Lanes podcast, the podcast where every episode we do a deep dive into a movie or TV show. And to go along with this analysis, I publish a chart of the story we're covering on the StoryLanes.com website, a chart I produced while preparing the episode. You don't need to look at that chart, the podcast is standalone, but if you're interested in diving a little deeper, check it out at StoryLanes.com. This week we're doing our first TV episode, and to start, we're doing the pilot for Breaking Bad. It first aired in 2008. It was written by showrunner Vince Gilligan and stars Brian Cranston, Anna Gunn, Aaron Paul, Dean Norris, Betsy Brandt, and R.J. Mitta. It's generally thought of as one of the better pilots out there, so this is going to be a fun one. As usual, this podcast assumes you've seen the show. There will be spoilers, and there won't be detailed explanations of plot points. Further, I'm going to assume that you've seen the entire series. There aren't any big spoilers for the rest of the series, but I do make a couple non-specific comments about things that happen, so beware. And go watch Breaking Bad if you want to listen to this podcast. And hey, there's only 62 episodes, no problem, right? Breaking Bad tells the story of Walter White. Walt's a brilliant chemist, but due to bad luck and bad life choices, he's stuck teaching high school chemistry. He struggles trying to support his wife and teenage son, and to make matters worse, she's pregnant. So he works his teaching job, but he also has a soul-deadening menial job at the local car wash. And that's not all that's bad for poor Walt. His students don't respect him, his wife pushes him around, and he's the clear beta male to his brother-in-law's alpha. And then he finds out that he has terminal cancer with only two years to live. So Walt decides to put that chemistry knowledge to use and starts cooking meth. And that leads him down a rabbit hole that turns him into a violent criminal and lets him regain his self-respect. He breaks bad, but he also rediscovers his manhood. Pretty literally, as we see in the pilot. Now this is our first Story Lanes episode about a TV show, so things are going to go a little different. All those screenwriting models we usually talk about aren't meant for TV episodes though we'll take a look and see if they apply. But even beyond that, a TV pilot has to do different things than a movie. You can find a lot of online info telling you what a pilot must accomplish. For purposes of this discussion, I'm going to talk about the following key points. 1. A pilot needs to introduce the characters and their relationships, and character relationships are key to a TV series. People come back week after week because they like the characters and want to see their interactions. 2. A pilot needs to introduce the premise of the show. What is the show about? Why should people watch it? 3. A pilot needs to introduce the structure of the show. All the episodes in a TV series will tend to have a similar structure. The pilot needs to create that structure and serve as a model for it. 4. A pilot needs to plant the seeds that will sprout throughout the series. Some of that is in the character relationships. But that's not all. There needs to be enough here to carry a series over tens, maybe hundreds of hours of entertainment. What's going to sustain the show over that long term? What are the story engines for the series? 5. And finally, the pilot still needs to do most of the things that a movie has to do. It has to be entertaining. Because if the pilot is boring, nobody is ever going to watch the second episode. So let's go through these points, and the first one is characters. There's a few things to note about how TV characters are different than movie characters. First, there's a lot more room for the characters to grow. A character doesn't need a complete arc in the pilot. It's enough to lay the groundwork to make room for a more full arc throughout the series. In fact, there had better be a bigger arc for the character. If characters complete their journey in the pilot, who'll want to watch them in future episodes? Second, while movie characters can certainly have depth, TV characters need it especially the main character of a series. Hopefully, the audience is going to be with these characters for a long time. Even the most entertaining two-dimensional character is going to get old after 20 to 30 episodes. TV characters need hidden depths, things the audience doesn't know, new ways that the characters can change, more hidden layers to reveal. And of course, it never hurts to have a little mystery about our characters. Leave the audience curious, wanting to learn more. That curiosity will bring them back for future episodes. But perhaps most important, TV characters need a wide set of relationships. 
because much of the joy of watching a series is seeing how relationships between characters shift over time. Relationships are important in any storytelling medium, but they're crucial in TV. With all this in mind, let's look at the characters of Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad has a strong central protagonist, Walter White, but it also has a solid set of supporting characters with whom he has diverse and interesting relationships. Let's take a closer look. The first thing to note here is that Walt has a strong character arc in the pilot, but he's really the only character with an arc. And that's okay. The other characters are introduced, and they are intriguing, but this is only the beginning of their stories, not their entire stories. They will each have character arcs throughout the course of the series. All we really need for them here is a solid introduction. As Walt's arc starts, he's a broken man. He's a good chemistry teacher, and he seems to enjoy it but that's about the only thing he has going for him. He gets little respect from the people around him. He's in clear financial distress. And to keep his family above water, he has a second incredibly menial job that's clearly beneath his capabilities. Even Walt's sex life is dismal. For his birthday, his wife gives him just about the most soul-destroying hand job ever committed to film. There's some good notes for the screenwriter here. This show pulls no punches in establishing just how low Walt starts. He doesn't just work at a menial job. He has to clean the tires of one of his bratty students and have his picture taken doing it. His wife doesn't just control him. She decides what he will eat, how he will get his sexual pleasure, what he should say to stand up to his boss. Not that Walt will ever stand up to his boss. His finances aren't just bad, his wife is reduced to selling things on eBay and lying to bill collectors. There is no subtlety in this depiction of a man at the end of his tether. And all that is before he is diagnosed with terminal cancer. So we have a guy who was at an incredibly low point in his life, and then he's smacked down by fate. It's a great example of the storytelling principle that one should figure out what is the worst thing that can happen to a character, and then do it. Now, Walt isn't a complete loss, but this is another great example for the screenwriter how subtlety is not required. There is nothing subtle about where Walt starts his journey, and it works really well. Now, Walt isn't a complete loss. We get hints that he's a smart guy who could be doing much better. We see how smart he is when he teaches, and when, on the drug bust, he casually knows more about the risks of the meth lab than Hank does. Meth labs are nasty on a good day. You mix that shit wrong and you got uh, mustard gas. Phosphine gas. I think. Yeah, exactly. One whiff will kill you. And when we finally see Walt doing chemistry, he's clearly good at it. Superb, really. Which introduces a little mystery to his character. What happened to this guy to bring him to this low point? That isn't resolved in the pilot. It isn't even explicitly asked. But it's suggested. And we should note, while the series gives some hints to an answer, we never do find out the details. After seeing the entire series, we can make some educated guesses, but we never go further than that. That's an interesting note for the screenwriter. The value of a question like this is the mystery itself. It isn't the solution to the mystery. Sometimes, in some special cases, we never have to give an answer. Though, of course, leaving a mystery like that hanging has its own potential problems and can annoy the audience. But if there's enough else going on, maybe they won't even notice. Now, curiously, some of the biggest indicators of Walt's abilities in his successful past that are found in the script were cut from the show. The script shows that Walt was part of a Nobel-winning research team. He was Teacher of the Year over several years. But the reader of the script may know these things, but the watcher does not. Then Walt is diagnosed with terminal cancer. And ironically, that's just the thing that Walt needs to jolt him back to life. And what we see in the rest of the episode is Walt's reawakening. By the end he has regained his manhood, as shown by the end of the episode, when he initiates rough sex with Skylar. It's not explicitly stated but it seems to be the first time in a long time that he's taken the lead in his marriage. Now Walt is far from perfect. He's not a two-dimensional Superman. He's damn good with chemistry, but not so good with anything else. We see him make dumb mistakes, as when he doesn't sufficiently spread his purchases of meth components to different stores, instead buying them all in one place. 
He thinks he's being smart by going out of town and paying cash, but Jesse quickly points out that he's still being dumb. And later, as he juggles a gun, it's clear that he has a lot to learn about life as a master criminal. This is another great aspect of this character. He's kind of hopeless in areas outside his specialty, which makes him more interesting, gives him depth, and makes him relatable. And it also gives him a lot of room for growth, something we'll want to see over the course of the series. There's one other thing about Walt that surfaces in the pilot, and I must admit, I didn't notice this the first time I watched this episode. Walt is utterly amoral. He does a number of things in this episode that are morally suspect, even criminal, and he never once has second thoughts. He steals expensive equipment from his school. He deceives his wife and friends. He violently assaults young men in stores. Obnoxious young men, but still. And of course, he makes meth, a harmful and highly addicted drug, and he murders two men. Now Walt has reasons for doing what he does. When he assaults the kid in the store, he's standing up for his son. When he kills the two men, he believes they'll kill him if they can. But the key point is that he never once shows any guilt for any of this, never shows an ounce of remorse. The show is called Breaking Bad, but I think it's pretty clear that right from the start, Walt is already bad. He just hasn't had the opportunity or initiative to act on his badness. Walt is also at the center of a web of relationships in this show. Not surprising, he is the protagonist. We'll talk about those relationships as we talk about the other characters. The next character is Skylar, Walt's wife. And to some extent, I think the defining characteristic of Skylar is how well she's holding up under challenging circumstances. Sure, she has taken the lead in the White family home. She decides that Walt will eat veggie bacon to reduce his cholesterol. She decides that Walt has to stand up to his boss. She decides how much and what kind of sex Walt will get. But she never complains. She does what is necessary to keep the family running. She sells stuff on eBay. She deals with bill collectors. And she's remarkably cheerful about it all. I think it likely that this is not the life she signed up for. Once, Walt clearly had it all together. Skylar presumably met him at a time when his prospects were a lot better. We can't imagine that she expected that life with Walt would require the extreme compromises that Skylar tolerates. But in spite of all that, she even celebrates the poor schmuck. She organizes a birthday party for him. And if that hand job was pretty grim, well, at least she gives him a hand job with a smile. The woman deserves a lot of credit. And if Skylar is taking the lead in the family, well, someone has to. And Walt has largely checked out. He's doing what he has to do, but not a whole lot more. So this time around, the thing that strikes me about Skylar is just how resilient she is. I remember when the series was on the air, and Skylar was unpopular in certain corners of the web. That fanboys didn't like her complaints about living as the wife of a drug kingpin. She had some qualms about this life. She was afraid, and she didn't entirely trust Walt. Of course, she was right about all those things. And in the pilot, at least, what stands out is just how cheerful she is living under circumstances that would try anyone's patience. And living with Walt, who is, let's face it, no great shakes as a husband. I guess that means put me on Team Skylar. But finally, Skylar's relationship with Walt, as defined in the pilot, is loving, but it's also controlling. She is definitely the power in this family which sets the stage for future tension as Walt emerges from his depression and starts taking more control of his life, which means taking control from Skylar, a potential source of struggle. It seems like a good relationship, but one with seeds of conflict, a perfect setup in the pilot. Let's finish off the White family with Walter Jr. He's a fairly typical teenage boy, self-absorbed, unaware of the challenges his parents face, easily swayed by what seems cool but still a nice kid and one who clearly loves his parents. Of course, he also has cerebral palsy, but he too doesn't complain. He struggles to play the hand life dealt him. It's a good trait. But to the screenwriter, note two things about Walter Jr. First, he really does stand out as a character. But second, there isn't much to distinguish him except for his disability. By all means, think about giving your characters some defining trait like this. 
It makes them stand out, and you may not need a whole lot of other characterization. Hmm, does that sound bad? It sounds a little bad to me. But I just don't see a whole lot else that makes this kid stand out in the pilot. And yet, he does leave an impression. Anyway, Walter Jr. has fairly conventional relations with his parents. He loves them, but he also has some of the teenage need for independence going on. But there's not a lot of depth here, and his relationship with his parents doesn't become particularly key to the rest of the series, except as it motivates Walt's need to raise money to provide for his family. You know, I wish that there was more to Walter Jr. His relative blandness seems like a waste. It's too bad that he's not much more than the kid on crutches. Now, Walter Jr. does have a good relationship with his uncle, Hank. After all, in a lot of ways, Hank is a big kid. Walter Jr. clearly finds Hank to be cool, and he does like joking with him. But this doesn't really pay off, at least not until several seasons in. Okay, that's the Whites. Let's take a quick look at Walt's extended family. We start with Hank, Walt's DEA brother-in-law. There's a lot to parse here. First, there's the fact that Hank works for the DEA. For a series that's going to be about Walt's becoming a drug lord, that's a great source of conflict. And sure enough, the series will have many plot lines where Walt has to hide what he's doing from Hank. And eventually, of course, Hank does find out what Walt is doing, and there are consequences to that. So Hank's job in the DEA is a great seed for conflict throughout the series, even if it doesn't lead to any particular conflict in the pilot. Still, we might think that this is a big coincidence, that Walt the drug dealer should just happen to have a DEA agent in the family. But Breaking Bad does something really smart here. It's not a coincidence that Hank is a DEA agent and Walt makes drugs. Hank being a DEA agent is Walt's entry into the world of making drugs. Walt didn't come up with the idea of cooking meth on his own. He's inspired by Hank's bragging about making a drug bust and the stories of how much money is in meth. In fact, Hank's bragging about that is one of the key inciting incidents of the pilot. So there's a couple of important screenwriting tips here. First, plant as many seeds of conflict as you can in your pilot. You will want that conflict later. 62 episodes is a lot of TV, and you'll need a lot of sources of conflict to carry you through all those episodes. It's never too early to lay the groundwork for all that conflict. But second, you can get away with a coincidence if you don't make it a coincidence. Give that coincidence a cause. And even better, reverse your real reason for doing it in the in-story logic. Now it's pretty clear that in coming up with this series, Vince Gilligan probably first thought to have Walt go into cooking meth, and only later decided to put a DEA agent in his family. Because after all, that would be a great source of conflict. But Gilligan reversed the in-story logic. Hank was a DEA agent before Walt started making drugs. And Walt learned about how much money there is in meth because Hank is a DEA agent. And that's what inspires him to become a meth cook. There's no coincidence here. So we have a terrific way of introducing this key source of conflict without resorting to coincidence. Screenwriters, take note. Now I should note I've already done something like this myself in one of my projects. I have a TV pilot that I wrote in which I started with a disabled protagonist named Callie Grant who is in a wheelchair. I later decided that she should also have a murdered father to provide good plot seeds. So I had Callie's father murdered by hackers who take control of his car and crash it. And Callie is in the car as well, and in that crash she is disabled. Now, in my mind, I first thought of Callie being disabled, but inside the series, the logic is reversed, and the crash that killed her father also put Callie in the wheelchair. So enough about my stuff. Maybe one of these days you'll be able to see it on TV, and then I can do an episode about my own script. But until then, let's get back to Breaking Bad. Another thing to note about Hank is that he's kind of the anti-Walt. Walt is reserved, intellectual, and unsuccessful. Hank is bombastic, bordering on offensive, in personality a jock with no intellectual pretensions, and successful at what he does. He's a great contrast to Walt. Still, he and Walt get along, but we get the feeling that's because Hank doesn't see Walt as any real competition. Walt's not good at the things Hank cares about. 
Though Hank does have some respect for Walt, he is one of the only people to say anything nice about him in the pilot. Well, you got a brain the size of Wisconsin, but we're not gonna hold that against you. <laughs> but your heart's in the right place, man. Your heart's in the right place. We love you, man, we love you. Everybody, to Walt, the Strovia. But still, Walt clearly resents Hank. Hank grates on him, and there's some envy in the way Walt responds to Hank. And of course, this resentment builds and adds to the tension between Hank the DEA agent and Walt the drug dealer. A terrific seed for future conflict. The next character is Hank's wife, Marie. She is Skyler's sister. She only has one notable scene in this pilot with Skyler but she leaves a good impression in that scene. She's clearly uptight and interfering, and while she and Skylar are close, there's tension in that relationship. So while Marie doesn't have a huge impact on the pilot, she is put in place to be a factor in the rest of the series. But she doesn't really have any special kind of relationship with Walt. Her key relationship is with Skylar. The final character of note is Jessie, who will become Walt's partner and occasional antagonist throughout the series. In fact, after Walt, Jesse is probably the most important character in the show. Now, Jesse is introduced through a coincidence. Walt goes on a drive along with Hank to a drug bust, and he sees his former student fleeing the bust. And now Walt has an entry into the world of meth. It's a coincidence, but it doesn't seem like an egregious one. Walt just happens to see someone he knows on the bust. That coincidence itself doesn't drive the series, though their relationship does. Anyway, Jesse is also an interesting character. On the surface, he seems like a complete goof. We first meet him falling backwards out of a window with no pants on. Hmm, you know, being without pants is a motif in this show. Both Jesse and Walt end up pantsless. Now, Jesse likes to pretend he's a big deal, but from the way Crazy 8 responds to him, it's clear that Jesse isn't the tough dude that he thinks he is. But he does know a thing or two about the meth trade. In this world, he is Walt's mentor, and he is Walt's entry into that world. Though in the pilot, he's also a source of comic relief. Now, in a lot of ways, the relationship between Walt and Jesse is the most complex in the series, and it's well set up here in the pilot. There's some conflict from the fact that Walt flunked Jesse in high school chemistry, and there's a mutual lack of respect as when Jesse mocks Walt's finicky chemistry methods, though that changes when Jesse sees the results. Still, there's complexity and depth to this relationship, and it only grows over the course of the series. And both characters have something to learn from the other. That, too, is a huge value here. Jesse has to learn a lot about life from Walt, but Walt has to learn a lot about a life in crime from Jesse. So, the first requirement of the pilot, introduce the characters and the relationships. Breaking Bad does a great job of this, introducing in Walt a complex and fascinating protagonist with both strengths and weaknesses, and introducing an additional five significant supporting characters, each distinct, and each except for Marie with a complex relationship with Walt, and Marie has a complicated relationship with Skylar. So Breaking Bad does what it needs for the pilot in setting up all these characters. The second purpose of the pilot is to establish the premise of the show and this pilot does that quite well. The premise of Breaking Bad has been explained by Vince Gilligan as Mr. Chips becomes Scarface, and the pilot takes Walt on that journey, starting him as a dispirited schoolteacher and leaving him an emboldened meth cook par excellence. While it would be an exaggeration to say Walt's already reached Scarface levels of drug kingship, he's clearly on his way, and we can see how it's going to play out, with Walt combining his amazing chemical skills with a certain naivete and awkwardness in other aspects of criminal life, and with much of the entertainment coming from seeing those two sides of him collide. So the pilot does its job here, and the premise is firmly established. The third thing a pilot needs to do is to establish the structure of the show. Before we speak specifically about how the pilot does that here, let's talk about the structure of this pilot. And here we find one major difference between analyzing a commercial TV script and analyzing a movie screenplay. In a TV script, we don't have to guess at how the story is broken into acts. The act breaks are already identified in the script. Now note, not all TV scripts have act breaks defined. 
TV shows for streaming services don't always specify the act breaks. But if the show has commercials, there's act breaks, because it is in those breaks that the commercials play, and the act breaks are indicated in the script. The Breaking Bad pilot script has four acts and a teaser. The teaser takes only three pages of the script. Most of the acts are 14 pages, but Act 3 is only 12. The teaser uses a technique called an in medias res opening. That means that we start in the middle of the story, we see some action from that middle, then flash back some period of time to the beginning of the story. The show then takes us forward until the opening, which in this script happens about halfway through Act 4. A good in medias res opening will leave the audience with a feeling of WTF. It will seem utterly bizarre. The challenge for the rest of the piece is to lead the audience to that moment and have it all make sense. A lot of movies and TV shows use this approach. Think John Wick or Fight Club. Both start with scenes deep into the film and then flash back to an earlier time. The Breaking Bad pilot uses this technique with a particularly effective in medias res teaser. A middle-aged guy wearing only tidy whities and a gas mask drives a Winnebago through the desert. Two dead bodies and a lot of liquid slosh around in back. He wrecks the Winnebago, makes a video giving a last message to his family, and pulls a gun as sirens draw near. Wow, now that's an opening. The image of Walt in his underwear and gas mask is incredibly compelling. His bizarre behavior completely pulls me in. I want to know how this guy got to this place. And this is important, because let's face it, the first act of Breaking Bad is a downer. Walt's life is just so utterly soul-crushing that I might not want to keep watching if I didn't know what a weird turn it would take. That's one of the advantages of a good teaser in either a movie or TV show. It can give the story a jolt of energy that can sustain it through a dry opening. And of course, once we get to know Walt in Act 1, the teaser seems so different from what we would expect from him. So when I see just how dispiriting Walt's life is, what a nebbish he is, it only increases my desire to find out how he ended up in that Winnebago. And so the first act, all set up, and what it sets up is just how bad things are for Walt, ending with his collapse. But in this act we also meet the other key characters. Everyone but Jesse, he doesn't show up until Act 2. And Marie doesn't make much of an impression yet, she only hovers in the background at a couple of scenes. But we get to know Walt and get our first big impressions of Skyler, Walter Jr., and Hank. The other key thing that happens in this act is that Walt hears Hank talk about the meth bust and how much money is in meth. This is the inciting incident of the pilot and, in fact, the inciting incident of the entire series. This starts Walt thinking about making meth himself. Though he doesn't actually go down that path until he gets his cancer diagnosis. But hearing Hank talk about it is what gives him the idea. You can hear it in his voice. Well organized. Hank, how much money is that? Uh, it's about 700 grand. It's a pretty good haul. As I say, it's a good day for the citizens of Albuquerque when we can put this big a dent in the local drug trade. But that's unusual, isn't it? That kind of cash? Mm, well, it's not the most we ever took. And then Walt goes to his job at the car wash and he collapses and we're out of Act 1. Act 2 is Walt's start into the wonderful world of meth. Two big things happen here. He gets his diagnosis, and then he starts looking into meth. And in doing so, he makes his first contact with Jesse. So now he's on his way. And note what this tells us about Walt. He doesn't just dive into the making of meth. He actually looks into it a little bit first, does a little bit of research. He is somewhat careful here though the care he is taking is on a very dangerous path. In Act 3, Walt gathers the supplies he needs to cook meth. He gets equipment, gets money to finance the Winnebago, and sends Jesse off to get it. And then we see how Walt is changing when he beats up a bully who is taunting his son. Putting a plan in place to change his life is changing Walt. He is regaining his manhood, which leads him to act out violently. Of course, regaining his manhood also helps prepare him for a world of meth dealing, because Walt is going to have to change into a different, tougher man to survive in that world, as he will learn in Act 4. And here is Act 4, the climax. 
Walt cooks meth, Walt kills two men through the magic of chemistry, and we get back to the teaser. But the action here doesn't really live up to the promise of the teaser. The sirens we heard are only fire trucks and they ignore Walt. It's kind of a disappointment the way this complication just sputters into being nothing. Still, Walt has made it through his tough moment. He has met his challenge. He goes home, he cleans off all that nice new money he got. And, emboldened by his adventure, he celebrates by grabbing Skylar and having her. His transition from nebbish to tough guy is complete, and he has regained his manhood. Just ask Skylar. Oh, Walt, is that you? So, a teaser in four acts, and the acts are set up, Walt creates a plan, Walt gathers what he needs to implement the plan, and Walt implements the plan and deals with the fatal consequences. It's a nice, clean structure. And note how much time is spent on Walt getting ready to cook. He doesn't start cooking meth until Act 4, over three quarters of the way through the script. The show really takes its time setting things up before giving us the big finish. And it is a big dramatic finish. With guns and poison gas. But critically, thanks to the teaser, right from the beginning we know something big is coming. So we know to be patient, to wait for that payoff. So that is the basic structure of this pilot. How does it set up the structure for the series? Well, there's several things that are done here in the pilot that will become a pattern for future episodes. First, Breaking Bad episodes always have a teaser, and that teaser is often an in medias res opening. Later in the series, entire seasons would use an in medias res opening. The first episode of a season starts with a scene that isn't reached until the end of that season. Think of season two, which starts with a pink teddy bear floating in Walt's pool. We don't find out how the bear got there until the end of the last episode of that season. Second, the point-of-view character is usually Walt, but not always. He's the point-of-view character in most of the scenes in the pilot, but Skylar and Jesse both have scenes where Walt is not present. Likewise, throughout the season we usually follow Walt, but occasionally we're with Skylar, Jesse, or some other character. Then think about the story of this episode. Walt juggles family responsibilities with his first steps into the meth trade. He leads this double life, the dedicated family man and the guy who cooks meth. And that life as a meth cook requires that Walt uses his chemistry to deal with some pretty rough customers with life or death stakes. All of these things will become staples of the series. The structure of the entire series is about Walt juggling these two parts of his life, and is using his chemical skills to become more and more of a badass. Over time, he uses his chemistry to make explosions, create poisons, and, of course, produce high-quality meth. If you think about the key moments of Walter White badassery, he uses his chemical and scientific superpowers to overcome deadly adversaries in most of them. Okay, he does occasionally resort to other types of gadgeteering but he's still using scientific and technical skills to defeat his enemies. So, the pilot does a great job of establishing the structure of the series, and therefore, it satisfies this next requirement of a pilot. Before we move on to the next requirement of a pilot, I want to take a moment to take a look at the pilot's act breaks. For commercial TV, the act break has one overriding purpose. It is meant to get the audience to come back after the commercial. It often does this by ending the act on a cliffhanger. Think about it. In commercial television, the break for ads is the ultimate destroyer of narrative momentum. We suddenly leave the story to listen to people trying to sell us stuff. To overcome that loss of momentum, there needs to be something pretty strong going into the break. And that's what an act break is all about, and why designing good act breaks is one of the big challenges in writing for TV. So let's look at how Breaking Bad does this. The teaser ends with Walt standing there, gun in hand, waiting for the sirens to arrive. A solid cliffhanger. Act 1 ends when Walt collapses. Again, a solid cliffhanger. We want to know why he collapsed and what will happen next. Act 2 ends when Walt threatens Jesse with exposure if Jesse won't become Walt's partner. 
Not quite a cliffhanger, but it does leave us wondering where this partnership's going to go and curious to see what happens as Walt starts trying to cook meth. Act 3 ends when Walt takes down the bully in the clothing store. Again, this isn't a cliffhanger. Walt has successfully chased off the bully at the end of the act. But the act is ended in a moment of exhilaration. We don't come back because we need to see what's next. We come back because we're excited by the transformation that we're watching. And we want to see more of it. Each of these acts ends with something big. Each gives the audience a reason to keep watching after the commercial. This is something that commercial TV shows need to worry about that movies don't. There is no specific moment when a movie might lose its audience, but a commercial break represents a clear loss of story momentum. Something needs to carry the audience through, and the Breaking Bad pilot does a good job here. Now let's move back to our list of things that the pilot needs to do. The fourth is that a pilot needs to lay the groundwork for the series, to plant the seeds that will sprout over the course of several seasons. This involves establishing specific problems and conflicts that can be ongoing, and we've seen several examples of that. The potential long-term conflicts that Walt has with Skyler, Hank, and Jesse, Walt's cancer, Walt's need to make money to provide for his family when he dies. The other thing that this involves is what is called a story engine. This is a term used in discussing TV shows. The story engine is the thing that keeps the series going. It's the source for a never-ending string of episodes. There are many kinds of story engines. One example is in a type of show called a procedural. In a procedural, we watch a group of professionals deal with a series of cases, with each episode providing one or more new cases. One example of this is a cop show where every episode there is a new crime to solve. Another is a hospital show where every episode introduces a new patient with some new medical problem. And there's other shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer where the story engine was the Hellmouth which provided a never-ending string of supernatural threats, known to show writers and fans as the monster of the week. But not every show is a procedural. In some shows there is a large issue that needs to be resolved, a problem too big to solve in one episode. Perhaps there is some evil mastermind who must be defeated, or a major crime ring that is too entrenched to eliminate in one episode or really anything that will take an entire series to resolve. Now that's Breaking Bad. Walt needs to provide for his family, and putting together that much money is going to take more than one batch of meth. And even when Walt gets enough money, there's more to resolve. How will he deal with the tough customers that he finds himself connecting with due to his drug dealing? How will he justify the fact that he's suddenly gotten all this money? What does his drug dealing do to his relationships? How does he avoid legal retribution? All of this comes from Walt's decision to cook meth. His drug business is the story engine of Breaking Bad, and that in turn is motivated by his responsibility to his family and his impending death, and to certain traits in his character that we will learn about throughout the course of the series. But the pilot introduces the story engine of Walt deciding to cook meth and it gives us a glimpse of how it's going to complicate Walt's life. Now a side note, Breaking Bad is an example of what is called a serialized show. The series tells one continuous story. It's not something you'd want to jump into the middle of. What comes before is a key part of what is happening now. By contrast with a procedural show, it's a lot easier to just jump in. You can start watching a cop show on any episode, the story is self-contained in that episode, and while you may be missing some nuances in the character interactions, everything you really need to understand that particular story appears right within that one hour of TV. Now there are hybrids between procedurals and serialized shows. I mentioned Buffy's Monster of the Week structure, but every season Buffy also faced a big bad and dealing with the big bad would take several episodes in a serialized manner. Further, the characters in Buffy developed over the course of the entire series, so you could enjoy a Monster of the Week episode without knowing the entire series, but you would get more out of it if you did watch the series and see how characters develop and season arcs resolve. Now in this era of streaming, serialized shows are becoming more prevalent and procedurals were a great fit for old-school commercial TV when people couldn't always choose to start a new show with the first episode. Instead, they were at the mercy of broadcast schedules. 
but dealing with that subject is beyond the scope of this episode of our little podcast. It is an interesting story, though, about how changing business models and changing technology influences art. The key thing for the screenwriter, though, is if you are designing a television series, you need to build in a strong story engine. It could be procedural, it could be serialized, or it could be both, but you do need something. We're finally at the last thing that a pilot needs to do, and that is to tell a story that is sufficiently compelling that viewers will want to tune in again next week. I certainly think we have that here. We get a self-contained story of Walter White's first forays into the drug world, one where we see a strong character arc within the episode, entertaining action, terrific suspense, and an ultimate triumph. But it's not so complete a triumph that we don't want to find out what happens next, what happens in the next episode. And the character arc is not wholly resolved. Walt has made a lot of steps, but he's still got big problems and a long way to go. So the Breaking Bad pilot does what a pilot needs to do. It succeeds as an entertaining story, but it leaves questions that need to be resolved in the rest of the series. So what else should we note about the Breaking Bad pilot? Well, I find it interesting to look at how it stacks up against our usual screenwriting models. Clearly, since this is an hour-long episode of TV and not a two-hour-long movie, we're not going to have a perfect match. But with that caveat in place, I think the models do pretty well. Now, as always, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about three-act structure or save the cat, you might want to check out episode one of this podcast where I describe these screenwriting models. First, three-act structure. Now, Breaking Bad has four acts. It's right there in the script so you wouldn't think three-act structure applies. But if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, you know that I think the films that most closely adhere to three-act structure really have four acts. And that can be applied in reverse here. If we combine Acts 2 and 3 of Breaking Bad, we get a reasonable match with three-act structure. There is a setup act that contains an inciting incident, in this case Walt hearing about how much money there is to be made in meth, there is a second act where the complications grow and things are set up for the fi final. In the first half of that act, Walt learns about the meth business and partners with Jesse. And in the second half, things get more serious as Walt starts taking concrete steps and concrete risks, like stealing from his school, liquidating his retirement fund. And finally, there's a final act where everything comes to a head, Walt has his major confrontation with the drug dealers, and he emerges triumphant with his prize. And we get the narrative payoff. Now the midpoint in this pilot isn't that dramatic. In a lot of ways, the end of Act 2 is the least dramatic of the act breaks. It just ends with Walt having made his deal with Jesse. It certainly isn't the explosive midpoint of a film like Alien. So, three-act structure kind of applies here, as long as we apply three-act structure's definition of acts and not the script's definition of them. Similarly, most of the Save the Cat beats are here, though they come in a jumbled order. Not all are present, once again there is no real debate. Walt never seems to have any doubts about making meth. Once he gets it into his head, he's pretty much going to do it, especially once he gets his diagnosis. And there's no B story here, which is quite unusual for a TV show. TV shows almost always have a B story. But we don't really see one here beyond some things about Walt's relationship with Skylar. But that's so closely tied into Walt's character arc that it's hard to say that it counts as a separate subplot. Now some of the beats are here, and some of them are more clearly present than we've seen in the films we've looked at. An example is the statement of the theme. Breaking Bad has a clear and explicit statement of the theme, and it occurs when Walt is teaching his class. Chemistry is, well technically, Chemistry is the study of matter, but I prefer to see it as the study of change. Now, just, just think about this. Electrons, they change their energy levels. Molecules, molecules change their bonds. Huh? Elements, they combine and change into compounds. Well, that's, that's all of life, right? I mean, it's just... It's the constant, it's the cycle, it's solution, dissolution, just over and over and over. It is growth, then decay, then transformation. 
It is fascinating, really. And that's the theme of the series Breaking Bad and of this pilot in a nutshell. Things change. Now, as I said, the Save the Cat beats come in a strange order. An example of this is Walt's Dark Knight of the Soul, which comes awfully early, right after his cancer diagnosis. That's right in Act 2, before the midpoint. This is when he is at his lowest point, where all hope seems to be lost. So that's a huge difference from a movie, according to Save the Cat, where the Dark Knight of the Soul typically comes past the halfway point. Here, we're only in Act 2. And there's the fun and games section, which in this case is when Walt is stealing from his school and running around getting ready to cook. That also comes rather late, after the midpoint, where in Save the Cat, Snyder has this before the midpoint. Similarly, the bad guys don't close in until the final act, when the drug dealers look like they're going to kill Walt and Jesse, which leads to another all-is-lost moment before Walt uses chemistry to gain the upper hand. Now this is extremely late, we'd usually expect this to happen right after the midpoint. So many of the Save the Cat beats are present, but not in the usual order. And it all works here. That's the key thing we must recognize. The Breaking Bad pilot is a story success. So many of the Save the Cat beats are present, but not in the usual order. But perhaps that's because, as a pilot, this episode must do double duty. It both tells a story and sets up the show. So some of these beats are mostly about the story contained in this episode, such as the moment when it looks like the drug dealers will kill Walt. But some are about the series as a whole, like when Walt gets his diagnosis. I'm not sure whether this mixed-up order of Save the Cat beats would work as well in a movie. I'll have to give that some thought. Hopefully one of these days I'll find myself analyzing a film where that's the case and I can see how it turns out. But the key thing we should note is that the Breaking Bad pilot is clearly a storytelling success. So if it doesn't match Save the Cat, then our takeaway should be that Save the Cat is not universal truth. Which, if you've been listening to this, you probably realize that I already believed. But this is strong evidence for it. And it's okay for the screenwriter to use Save the Cat's list of beats as a starting point, as things that can be useful in story construction. But those beats don't necessarily all have to be present. And if they are present, they don't have to be in the prescribed order. One last pair of Save the Cat beats I want to discuss, and that's the opening and closing images. There actually are a good paired set of images that establish the arc that Walt follows in this story. The starting point is Walt lying in bed awake at the start of Act 1, and the ending point is Walt rolling Skylar over and taking her from behind at the end of the episode. Both are set in bed, but one is a picture of impotence and the other is manly virility. Now, of course, that opening image doesn't happen at the start of the episode, but rather it's the first shot after the teaser. And this is something we've seen before. The whole point of the paired opening and closing images is to provide a visual representation of how the world was changed by the events of the story. Save the Cat says this needs to be the opening and closing images of the film, but I think it can work just as well if the images are not necessarily the first and last shots of the film, but instead just come close. So once again, we can adopt elements of the spirit of Save the Cat without living up to the letter of it. Another lesson for the screenwriter. Now, similar to Save the Cat, the hero's journey beats are largely present here. But the hero's journey has the hero facing a major ordeal, then has a second challenge to overcome on the road home. That's not really present here. Walt has only one major obstacle to overcome, and that's the drug dealers who want to kill him. Other than that, the hero's journey largely applies. There's even one hero's journey beat that has gone missing in many of the movies we've analyzed, but that is present here, and that is actually a key part of this pilot and the series. Walt has a real mentor in Jesse. Now that seems a little strange, because Jesse is clearly a dumb kid, but he's a dumb kid who understands the criminal world. Maybe not understands it perfectly, but understands it a lot more than Walt does. And 
In fact, this strange relationship between Walt and Jesse, in which each is a mentor to the other in some ways, is one of the curious aspects of this series. When Walt meets Jesse, he is meeting his mentor in crime, and Jesse becomes his protege in life. Okay, I think that largely covers Breaking Bad. As I noted, it's generally considered one of the great pilots, and you can really see why. It's an incredibly entertaining hour of TV, but it also sets up a terrific premise for a series, creates compelling characters including the fascinating Walter White, sets up character relationships that are rife with the possibilities of future conflict, invites us into a world that will provide an endless source of struggles, creates a strong through-line for the series, and sets a solid episode structure that can be adapted to a wide variety of episodes. It's a great start to a notable series. So what's the screenwriter lessons here? First, a pilot is a tricky thing. It has to have a great story to hook the audience, but it also has to lay the groundwork for an entire series. Breaking Bad's pilot does both of these things. But it also manages to be the series in microcosm. You can see the entire series laid out in this one episode, and that's kind of cool. Maybe it's not necessary, but it is cool. Second, having Hank's status as a DE agent become the reason that Walt makes meth is terrific. It turns what might have been a shaky coincidence into a nice story beat. It's worth the effort trying to find a causal link between what seems like two unrelated facts. Third, and this is another thing we've seen before, the standard screenplay models that we've looked at should be seen as sources of inspiration but are not ironclad laws. The beats of the hero's journey in Save the Cat can help build a story, but they don't all have to be there. And they don't even need to be followed in any particular order. Don't get locked down to one way of writing a story, but keep an open mind and take ideas from everywhere. And that's Breaking Bad. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something. I both enjoyed and learned from it. Next week, we're going to look at Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright's great zombie comedy. Until then, this is Joe Jakevich in the Storylanes podcast. Check us out at storylanes.com. Talk at you later. Later.